Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Let's start with the word of prayer. Father, we thank you. This is a day that is ordained by the Lord. Hallelujah. We want to welcome the Holy Spirit here. Thank you, Father. I sense the name Ruth. I sense that the Lord is going to deliver you from some wildernesses that you have been experiencing into a season of abundance. And I would pray that, hallelujah, that you would be able to step forth into it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let this be your place. Let this be your word, O oh Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So in Exodus chapter 15, verse 22, all of us know what Exodus is all about. That a nation is delivered from their slavery. I don't know in the history of mankind if ever a nation has been in slavery. So God delivers through His servant Moses one nation coming out from slavery in Egypt. And Exodus 15 was 22 to 25. Just before that, God sank all the armies of Pharaoh. And, uh, and, and in Exodus chapter 15, the first few verses, the first 21 verses is about, they were singing in the presence of God of what God has done in the midst of them. 22, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord. The Lord showed him a tree. When he cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Pharaoh and his army were just destroyed. And Asian, they gained their independence. After the Red Sea, what stood before them was a large expanse of wilderness. I went to YouTube to see that expanse of wilderness. You know, it's, it's absolutely nothing. It's just, um, just some brown soil over there with some hills. And they were looking into it. And they had this large expanse. They came out, but when they came out of the land, God gave them a promise of a promised land. But the first obstacle, what do they do? They complain before God. The people of Israelites, they had to go through a wilderness. Yes, there was a promise from God. Yes, God delivered out of, out of Egypt. But they had to go through a wilderness. And so is the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 to 11. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware all our fathers were under the cloud. <clears throat> all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. But God was not, but, but with most of them God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And Paul is saying this is an example for us. Verse 6, these, these things became an example 
So we also are in a wilderness. All of us who are baptized, we are, drink, we are eating from the same spiritual food, which is the word of God. We are drinking from the same spiritual drink, which is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And our rock is the Lord Jesus. Just like they also had the spiritual rock. Paul is warning these things that happened to Israel is an example for us. Which means we also could end up being scattered in the wilderness. And just like Israelites faced a huge wilderness expanse, we also could be facing wilderness in different areas of our lives. So what exactly is wilderness? Wilderness is the gap between promise and the inheritance. So there is a promise that God has given to us. The promise that God gave to Israelites, a promised land. But to reach there, there was a small gap. And that's called wilderness. Amen. So how does this wilderness experience look like? And many of us, when I came to the faith, I thought there was nothing called wilderness. Everything would be just so easy. To those of us who think like that, we are living in a fool's paradise. Wilderness is something where you see nothing seems to be working. You find all, oh God, all my prayers are unanswered. Only I go through this. Either you begin to complain before God, you begin to complain before people. It's like a no man's land, just like wilderness was brown and unappealing. There is nothing, nothing so spectacular about a desert. <coughs> Sorry. It's like a no man's land. You feel alone. You feel lonely. There is nothing colorful about it. You are exhausted. You are dry. You are hungry. Life seems so slow. Life seems so stuck. Sometimes we are cranky. Those of you who have kids, sometimes they get up, they are cranky. So are we. So as people of Israelites, when they complain, they were cranky before God. You do not know about your future. You think, God, is God really with me? God, am I alone? Interesting, when Israelites, they were thirsty, they complained. In John chapter 4, when Jesus was thirsty, you know what he did? He asked a woman for help. He asked a woman for help. He didn't complain. He didn't say, I'm the son of God, let there be water here. He didn't say that. What to do in our wilderness sometimes, I think, when we face problems? When Jesus faced a problem, what did he do? He solved the problem. He asked for help. Some of us, when we are stuck, we get into the sinking mode. And we don't ask God for help. We don't ask people for help. Jesus when he was on this day before he was getting betrayed on that night, he asked his disciples, can you pray for me? The Son of God asked for help. Amen. The Son of God asked for help. The Son of God asked for prayer. Sometimes God's solutions, because it is so simple, it doesn't get into our head. We 
We think that life is too hard, but I want to tell you the reality. Amen. God has placed our wilderness before our inheritance. There is a promise, and I'm sure God, the Bible is also, who have not got your promise, please read this. The Bible is full of promises. You don't need a prophet to come and give you a promise. So the Bible is full of promises of God, and if you are stuck somewhere, and you are in your wilderness, I want to say the inheritance is on the other side. Say the inheritance is on the other side. But to get there, we have a journey. And I want to tell you, let's not be surprised by this journey. Just like I, when I surprised, when I became a believer. Sometimes in this journey, there could be a little bit confusion. You don't know what to do. How many of you have been there? You don't know what to do. Maybe in your work, maybe in that phase of life, you, are, you don't know what to do. You are confused. There was adversity, there was opposition. So how does this sermon talk, talk to you about, yes, the wilderness journey is difficult, but there are also other things which just comes from the word of God. The truths regarding wilderness. And the first truth is, God calls us from our own wilderness. So uh, sometimes we, because of our foolish decisions, we are in our wilderness. For example, Moses in Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 to 4, he ran away after killing an Egyptian. So now he is in his father-in-law's wilderness. And that wilderness was because of his wrong choice. Some of you are wondering, can God use me because of my wrong choices? I want to tell you, there is good news, yes. God can. Moses was down and out when God called him. He had no expectations. If you see, he stood like a stone before God. Whatever God tells, so be it. Let it be. God called us from our own wilderness. For 40 years, Moses was in his own wilderness. He ran away. And that's one thing, amen. God can call us from our wilderness. It doesn't matter your age. You might be thinking, God, I'm, I'm in my last phase of my life. Hallelujah. For God, there is nothing like that. God can call you in your own wilderness. Amen. No matter what your age is, no matter what your gender is, no matter what your, whether you're a student or a kid or whatever. Hallelujah. And also the other thing is, not only we have what God calls us, amen, we have a growth journey in wilderness. In Exodus chapter 3, God says, do not draw near. Get off your sandals. So Moses had to keep a distance. But in Exodus chapter 19, Moses went up to the mountain and had a face-to-face meeting with God. Can you see that? There is a growth journey in wilderness. Moses was living in his toughest times. Because six million people is so difficult to manage. A prime minister of a, of a rebellious nation. That's what was he was. Or the... Or the Next, the leader of a rebellious nation. He was living in his toughest times. But in Exodus chapter 19, Moses went up to the mountain to face God. He begins to meet God in the tent in the tabernacle. So initially he could not come near God. And Exodus chapter 33, Moses asked a very, very difficult question. But he asked that for the first time. I think in the history of mankind, that was the first time probably God had heard that. And Moses asked God, I want to see your glory. 
Yes, I know that many years ago I couldn't come near, but I'm now I'm facing you. I'm having a face-to-face discussion with you. I'm in your presence, but that's not enough, God. I want to see your glory. So God allows to see his, the back. Do you know that story didn't end there? The Mount of Transfiguration. Those of you think that Moses never entered the promised land. I want to tell you Moses came in the Mount of Transfiguration. He had a face-to-face meeting with the Son of God. And in the midst of that, they hear, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. What a great transformation. It all started with that wilderness call. And I'm sensing some people, God is calling in this wilderness that you are in. In this wilderness, God is calling us. Isn't that amazing? It is not when we are perfect, God is calling. I had a dear brother whom, uh, you know, he, is, uh, he has a desire to be baptized. But he keeps telling me, brother, let me be perfect. Let me get this area correct. I tell him, this is a journey. You got to start. God is not waiting for you to be perfect. God is calling you in your immaturity to get up, to stand up from there. Hallelujah. We have a personal growth journey in the wilderness. In Genesis chapter 29, we see about a woman, and this woman is not spoken about much. Her sister is spoken much. So this is about two sisters. Laban had two daughters. The younger one was Rachel. The elder one was Leah. Leah's eyes were delicate. Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. You know, she was the unloved one in that family. Her father got her married to a person that she did, a person who did not love her. So she was unloved by her father. She was unloved by her husband. Can you imagine that she got married and he's saying that I'm going to wait, I'm going to work seven years so that I could marry your sister. Just imagine the plight that Leah was in. Now, Laban's family did not worship God. Because if you look at the Bible, Rachel had her own false gods. Genesis chapter 29. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. The one who held her false god was barren. So Leah conceived a son and bore, uh, conceived and bore a son. She called his name Reuben. The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now my husband will love me. See, that's what is his problem. She had a revelation of God, but her dependence is still on her husband. And verse, the second son also. She's still unloved. She names him Simeon. Because I am unloved. The Lord has heard that I am unloved. The third time. This time my husband will be attached to me. But husband has no response. Still working hard for the sister. And verse 35, she conceived again and bore a son. Now, I will praise the Lord. Wow. In the midst of her wilderness, in the midst of being unloved. You know, I don't know from where she had the revelation that this is the Lord God Almighty because her family lineage did not support that. She must have heard from Jacob, Oh, this God of the heavens spoke to my grandfather. 
spoke to my father and I had a, this, this dream. She knew in her heart that this Lord, you know what, she made God Almighty personal. In the midst of wilderness, oh God Almighty becomes personal. She became, and the, the son became Judah. Do you know it was that, just through that Judaic line that David came about. The kingly line came about. That Jesus came about. Amen. Hallelujah. She latches on to God. Her wilderness was harsh and cruel. Not loved by her. I'm sure her sister also wouldn't have loved her. Sister didn't love. Father didn't love. Husband didn't love. But the Lord loved her. Man, are you going through that situation? But nobody loves you. I sent some of you here. Maybe your sister, father, mother, brother, nobody has loved you. Your husband also has not loved you. But amen, hallelujah, God loves you. Amen. So we have a personal revelation of who God is. Your attitude, one important thing of the wilderness is your attitude is important. The people of Israelites, they had a complaining attitude. Jesus, when he was, you know, when he was hungry, what did he say? He said, is there anything around? But what did the people of Israelites say? They complained before God. You know, when they were complaining before Moses, God is saying, they are actually complaining before me. If you are a person who is content with what God has given to you, you can overcome your wilderness. Being content with what God has given to us and being content with what God has not given to us. If God has not given to you that car, be content with it. In this season, if you have a bike, and this is what the Lord has given to you. I think it's so important for us as a nation that follows God to be content with what God has not given to us. Amen? When Moses sent the the twelve spies out, some of them returned fearful. But there was a Caleb who said, was confident. He said, I think we can overcome. I think we can overcome. Israelites had a complaining, critical attitude. They criticized God. They criticized Moses. They were rebellious. You know, the earth opened its mouth and consumed some of the rebellious guys. That was the rebellion. Jesus, when he was hungry, when he was thirsty, he asked a woman for help. And that changed her life, the Samaritan woman. Your attitude is the key. Jesus didn't say, I am the son of God. I, I, it is, how can it be that I don't find provision? He didn't say that. Your wilderness will make you or break you. The wilderness of Israel broke them. It broke them. Your wilderness can make you. Hallelujah. When I, you know, when I became, when I was around four or five years old, I realized I had a, I had a physical problem. And it was a hard truth for me. I had a problem with a slow tongue. I had I had stammering. And I, that one day when I, uh, one doctor told me, this is for a lifetime. It just sank my heart. 
Because at that time I used to read my Bible and God used to heal and I used to think, God, why don't you heal me? Even though I'm not a believer. But the Lord didn't heal. And when I went to school, it became very difficult because I didn't have a... I could have... I didn't enjoy my school time because I had this problem. And I would, I would always be... My morale would be low. My, uh, I would always think of myself very low. I had a low self-esteem. And it affected me because I didn't enjoy my school. I didn't really enjoy my college, even though it was okay. And at that time, hallelujah, and then I began to work. It affected me because when I had an important meeting, that day I'll be absent from office because I'll take a leave. I'll just run away. I don't know what to do. And one day I was, when I was praying, I said, God, you need to help me. I, how much can I take a leave? I mean, I have a huge uh, life in front of me. The Lord just told me one thing in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of that difficulty, of that pain. I heard the Lord saying, you know, when you go for that meeting, rehearse what could be answered. And so I used to begin to do my homework before meetings. Even though not time, not all the time it was successful. But gradually, it was a slow journey. Slow journey. I began to pick words that was difficult to me. And over the period of years, I sensed that there was a victory that was in me. There was a confidence that was in me. It was making me, hallelujah, today. And I, think, I thank God for that journey. Because I wouldn't have got the spirit of endurance. I was, and I wanted to endure. I did not say anymore, Lord, heal me. But I want to say, I asked God, help me. Help me, Lord. And at one point, and that was the, that just was the, you know, uh, probably the uh, point of victory. But I just said, Lord, one day, Lord, I'm okay if this is how you created me. I'm fine. My self-image, that wrong self-image just went down the drain. And I used to think, what would others think about me? And I felt the Lord saying one day, no, others are so busy thinking about themselves. <laughs> they don't have time to think about you. They're so busy thinking about their life. Isn't that true? The person that you thought about today the most was yourself. How you looked in the mirror, whether it was good. You didn't care about somebody else, did you? So others are thinking about themselves. Your wilderness can make you or break you. That day my self-esteem, the wrong self-esteem that I had, was just, just went away. And I was so secure. This is the way that God created me. And I'm okay with it. And your wilderness is a place of provision. I have good news for you. If you are struggling in your wilderness, Amen. Jesus said, I will be with you. I will be with you today, tomorrow. Amen. I was there yesterday, today and tomorrow. God told Elijah to hide by the brook and I will feed you. When the brook dried up, I don't know if Elijah thought, did. is God remembering that the brook dried up. 
let me tell you, God does a good job in taking care of us. God does a good job. He knows that the brook that is feeding you has dried up. And he will have the next provision on the way. He commanded the ravens to feed with bread and meat. I was thinking myself in Elijah's, Lord, unsanitized bread, unsanitized meat. When the Lord sends you, it is sanitized. You can eat it. It's not going to affect you. Hallelujah, it's a place of provision. Your wilderness can reveal to you your actual hunger. I want to put that to you today. What is your actual hunger? Numbers chapter 1, 11. Verse 1 to 11. The people complained. It displeased the Lord. The Lord heard it. His anger was aroused. The fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. And the people cried out to Moses and Moses prayed to the Lord. The fire was quenched. So he named the place, name of the place, Tabira, because the fire of the Lord, Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude was among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish that we freely ate in Egypt. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Now, now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. The people of Israel, you know, why did they wept? They wept because they could not get the food in Egypt. They wept because they could not eat the fish that freely gave. I thought, I'm thinking that, is that true? Did they eat of free? No, they were made to put to hard labor. They were under deception that they ate freely. Hallelujah. The people of Israel, they wept. Can you imagine? They were weeping. Why did they weep for? They wept because they could not get the food in Egypt. And in verse 7, and verse 7 and 9, we see the manna comes down from heaven. I want to jump to verse 10. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, which means father, mother, grandfather, grandmother, children, everybody was weeping. Everyone at the door of his tent. The anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. You know what? They wanted Moses to hear this. That is why they wept at the door of their tent. And what did they weep for? They wept and they complained, Lord, this is the manna again. They complained, this is the manna. Sometimes we also complain in our dinner tables. Is it yesterday's food? And they also complained. God, this is, this is manna Lord again. I don't know what they wanted. They wanted this food of Egypt. You know, this is reenacted in John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, I want to tell you this is reenacted. That is why it is important for us, church. Paul warns us. He is saying that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this is what has happened is an example for us. And in John chapter 6, verses 58, Jesus tells, this is a bread which has come down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. 
He who eats this bread will live forever. And verse 60. I'm going to jump to verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when he heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Just like in the wilderness, they rejected the manna that came from heaven. And they complained against God. And the fire of the Lord consumed them. This is reenacted in John chapter 6. Where this, where Jesus says, I am the manna that has come from heaven. And some disciples, it was not some Jews, some disciples who believe, said this is a hard teaching. We can also complain like that. They were saying about our Egypt is better. Sometimes we look back and say, God, that life was better. What you are hungry for will be tested and revealed in the wilderness. When everything goes easy, you will not be hungry for anything. When are you? Not, when are you? When, when, when do we get hungry? We get hungry when, when we don't get something. So you are going to be hungry. Your hunger will be revealed in the wilderness. That is why wilderness is necessary. God has seen to that. We will go through that. It is that gap between our walk to the promised land. God has given us a promise. And your wilderness journey can be prolonged. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 1 to 12. It says that it was, verse 2 says, it is 11 days from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Bernia. 11 days from the mountain of God to Kadesh Bernia, which is the promised land. And it took 40 years instead of 11 days. Some of us are wandering in our wilderness because of rebellion. Some of us are wandering because of rebellion towards authority. We don't know how to honor the Moses or the people of God or our workplace, whomever God has set, the authorities. And we can wander. We can wander. So God can call us from our own wilderness. We have a growth journey. We have a personal revelation of who God is, just like Leah had. Attitude is important. Wilderness can make us or break us. It is a place of provision. Your wilderness can reveal your actual hunger. Wilderness can be prolonged. So, how to navigate in your wilderness. This is not how to avoid our wilderness. That's our default setting. We want to avoid it. I want to say to you, all roads lead to wilderness. <laughs> Just like it said that in, in uh, all roads lead to Rome. Once, you know, in life, all roads will lead to wilderness. So you can't avoid it. So what is the one thing? Do not be afraid of your wilderness. Do not be surprised. When you have to wait for something, uh, do not be surprised at your wilderness. Do not be afraid. Second, meet the God in the midst of your wilderness. Can you say, I want to meet God in the midst of my wilderness? Amen. The animals in the wilderness, they, they learn to travel and hunt at night. You know why? Because it is more cooler. Spiritually, we also should find a place in the midst of wilderness to see God. It is a place where God gives us an instruction of what to do next. 
You know, the trees in the wilderness, they store up water because they don't know when their next rain is coming. So if God has given you a promise, you need to store it up. If God has given you a promise of children, if that promise is evaporating, just like if that water would evaporate, if that, if that word is disappearing from your heart, that is not how the Lord wants you to be. The Lord wants you to store up that word. Take it up and say, God, I know that what, Lord, you have promised me this. Lord, you have promised me. Last year, like uh, 2021, in the, mid, in the middle of 2021, I was going through a difficult time. And I remembered, I, uh, I had, when I came full time, I had written the promises that God had given to me. And I began to speak upon that. And I began to speak and then, and I said, Lord, I don't want to be in this place. This is a depressive place. Pick me up. So that word that God has given to you, the promise that God has given to you, you need to take it up, renew your mind. And not think, God, this word is not for me. Don't think like that. If the Lord has promised you, that word is a yes and an amen. What happens when we come out of our wilderness? To know that, we need to look in the life of Jesus. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 to 22. Then Jesus, you know, he went through his wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. You know, you, you know that they were wild beasts. Okay? So the Judean wilderness, they were uh, wild lions. Okay, that were so hungry. And in verse 14 it says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went throughout all the surrounding region. So what happens in a wilderness? You come out in the power of this Holy Spirit. There is a resolve in you. There is suddenly there is a move in the Spirit that has happened on the inside of you. He was strengthened in the wilderness. The wilderness which we thought might weaken him was actually for his strength. And I was thinking, God, 40 days and 40 nights in a desert with no food. Strengthen him. Strengthen him. God will not put you into something that you can't handle. Jesus' word was with authority. Luke 31 to 32. It says that when he went to, uh, went to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. There was an authority in his word that came because that he spent his wilderness with his father. Do you know the angels came to minister to him? His word was authority. His ministry began to progress. Verse 15 of Luke 4 says, He taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. He began to teach. He began to proclaim the word of God. He began to glorify God. And they began to glorify Jesus. Jesus had a revelation of who he was. If you are having an identity problem, you come out of it. The Lord will reveal who you are. You know, in, uh, it says that he turned the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he began to read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, To proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovery of the sight to the blind. To set at liberty 
those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He knew that Isaiah had prophesied about him. He knew that he was a son of God. He knew that he was a darling of his father. He had a revelation of who he was. Jesus was confident. You know, the Bible says that he got up from his seat, he came and he read and he folded back. He went back and sat down there. And all the eyes of the people were upon him. Verse 20, he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. And the eyes of the who were on the synagogue were fixed on him. You know what? All of them turned and looked at him. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Isn't he the carpenter's son? Is he not, is he not Joseph's son? But he was confident. He knew the scriptures were spoken about him. Hallelujah. His family lineage, he was not bothering him at all. There, was a, there is a confidence that came upon Jesus. Jesus knew how to deal with different kind of people. He was not accepted in his hometown. It was okay for him. He wasn't carried away with people that praised him. He wasn't upset when his own disciple betrayed him. He was not upset when his top three, one of his top three, Peter, denied him. He knew those who would say, Hosanna, Hosanna today would crucify him tomorrow. He learned to handle different kind of people. Because the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. He learned that. Because we haven't spent time with God, we don't know how to deal with people. Jesus knew that people are so precious in the eyes of God. Can you look to the person and say, you're so precious in the eyes of God. Hallelujah. Jesus' word was with authority. He went and he and miracles, signs and wonders began to flow from him. The Bible says he went in a circuit, village to village. I am not taking that scripture because of lack of time. He went in a circuit from village to village. You know what it means? He went here and from there he went there to the next village, next village, next village, next village. And he went and healed the sick, cast out demons and proclaimed the kingdom of God. He went in a circuit. That's what exactly the Bible says. One village he went, one village, jumped to the next, jumped to the next, jumped to the next. That's, hap- that's what happened when we move in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know how his ministry was? When he came somewhere, the whole place was flooded. Then he went to the next house, the whole place was flooded. Hallelujah. Lord, we wanted such a kind of ministry, God. Where we would not have empty seats, but we would have People waiting there outside. People waiting there outside. And Father, we want to humble down so that we could move in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Daddy.
Hallelujah. In 1 Kings chapter 19, it's 11 to 13, it talks about Elijah. Now Elijah had a God-given wilderness where he was by the brook. For three years there was no rain. And in the background of the scriptures where there was this wonderful miracle that happened where the prophets of Baal were consumed by the fire of God. God revealed to his people that who God is. But, but something happened. In verse 1 of 1 Kings 19, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had executed all the prophets of the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so, the let, the, so let the gods do to you, do to me and more also. If I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. When he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. You know what, did, you know what Jezebel actually said? I'll show you tomorrow. Sometimes when we are, you know, I, 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 was, in my, I was in a boys' school in my high school. So when we fight, we tell the next person in Malayalam, that's exactly what Jezebel said, I'll show you tomorrow. That is a words of hollow. Words of hollow, there is nothing, nothing in that word. But when he saw that, he ran for his life. Oh, just to see a mighty miracle from God. He ran for his life and he went to Mirsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. And said, it is enough. It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. When we run away to our own wilderness, will come and tell God, take me, take me. And today's terms, we say, Lord, instead of saying, take me, we say, Lord, where are you coming back? So, that's another way of expressing. Because we are tired when we run off, when we go into our own wilderness, all alone. We pray that he might die. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. There was a, suddenly there was a change in this. I'll jump to verse 7. No, verse 5. Then he lay and slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. The Lord knows that we are fatigued. We are tired when we go in our wilderness. He wants to eat from the word of God. He would take that word. Arise and eat. When he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched. Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. 
So he arose and ate and drank and he went in the strangled food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. I'm going to tell you because you're in a wilderness, the journey might be too great, but God will give you food so that you can go back. Go back to that mountain. The journey is too great because you ran away. Hallelujah. But the Lord's foot is enough so that you can have an encounter with God. In verse 9, he went into the cave, spent that night in the place and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? When we are in a mess, the Lord is saying, go out and stand before the Lord. The Lord is telling some people, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? This is not the place that I want you to be. I've given you a promise. I know you may have ran in the opposite direction just like Jonah did. But I want to come bring you back. Amen. Hallelujah. And see to you that I would fulfill the promise through you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what does it say? In verse 11, there was, And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and a strong wind tore into the mountains, broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. The Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. You know, God is training him, training Elijah to hear the voice of God. And there is a still small voice that will speak to you. But this is the way that I want you to go. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face and went out, stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Oh, hallelujah. Lord, many of us might have ran away from you. We might have gone in our own wilderness afraid thinking that our wilderness is better. Thinking that this is the way that I want. Lord, I want to pray, Daddy, that we will come back. We will come back, Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord is speaking in a still, small voice to some of you. And all of you to close your eyes. You know, if you have been in that place where your wilderness is so difficult for you. It, you know, God may have told that. Your wilderness is difficult. I just want you to pray over yourself. And say, God, I know that you will give me strength. Come on, this is your moment with God. Don't be worried about some so people sitting next to you. And if you have gone after your own wilderness, Hallelujah, the Lord wants, Lord is asking, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, son? I want you to come back into my presence. I want to come back to your presence, God. It is better to face you than to face the enemy, Lord. I want to face you, Lord. Some of you are feeling condemned in the presence of God. I want to tell you, God does not condemn you. He convicts you. He convicts you. Hallelujah.
take your moment with God. If you have ran away, I want to tell you the wilderness will make you. It will make you. It is for everybody. It will not break you. You need not fall down to the ground exhausted. I sense for Sujitra Chechi. It will make you. Your family is being made in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It will make you. Hallelujah. Allow the wilderness. It will go through. It's for a season. I sense for somebody. This wilderness that you are, it's for a season. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's for a season. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we thank you. The God that wants to rectify our mistakes. It wants to bring us back in your presence. Hallelujah. We pray that, Lord, that we would walk in your ways. We would walk according to what you have told us. We would keep our hearts sensitive before you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.